What do we know about him? Well, there's a bunch of verses that I listed on your, uh, on your note sheet on the additional verses. I put a bunch of them, that, the, the ones that mention Tychicus that you can draw information from. But if you don't want to do it and you just want to listen now, that's fine. Tychicus, meaning fortunate, he was a Christian that's located in Asia Minor. He traveled often with Paul. He probably delivered the letter of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. A lot of scholars believe that he probably not only delivered it, he probably delivered it orally. He probably came and he read it to the people. Can you imagine hearing, having the honor of the first time that Ephesians would be ever taught? You're going to read it? I mean, that's almost as cool as being the one who wrote it, right? But to be able to read it and everybody's going, uh, could you repeat that again? I didn't get that at Ephesians 4, being walking worthy of the vocation I'm called. What, what does that mean? Take a kiss. Oh, I just read it. I was given the letter. So he probably delivered the Ephesians letter, and many believe that if he did, he probably also delivered the letter to Colossae. So Colossians and Ephesians are very similar, right? And so he probably even was able, as he's reading, to compare notes and go, wow, I can see there's a common thread here. He was considered definitely a worthy substitute for Titus, as we talked about. But also we find that Paul had some statements about Tychicus, how he felt about him. We find that Paul calls him a brother, beloved. uncharacteristic. So Tychicus evidently had the ability to, to comfort their hearts. Probably means that Tychicus had uh, some experiences in life where he suffered deeply and now he's able to comfort others. When you look at your own life and you realize that, hey, why did I have to go through what I went through? And I know you probably heard me the illustration too many times, but when I lost my parents at a young age, it was difficult for me. I wouldn't have ever wanted it to go happen that way. But the reality is God has comforted me in those situations which have made it possible for me to even come close to speaker called putting tools in a toolbox. Whatever you've been through, God wants
right on it. Hasty. Be hasty to get to me. Come, come right away. So you can say yes to coming and visit me. Because you're not going to be able to be two places at once. You're going to have to leave Crete and say no to the Cretans, Cretans and come to me in Nicopolis. Be diligent, come to me. Hasten, he's saying. And then Nicopolis is a, a city, it's called the city of victory. It was named over and over and over again. In fact, at that time of this writing, there probably was nine Nicopolises. Yeah, nine of them. Why? Because it was a favorite name when someone would conquer a city, they would call it Nicopolis. Well, that's original. You know, nine other ones. Probably the one that, that he's talking about here was right on the coast, uh, the Adriatic coast of Greece, part of Achaia. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to winter there. I'm going to stay there. So you come and see me. It's a good place to be for the winter time. Be diligent to come to me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. See, the, the wording again is strategic. I've thought through it, and I've come up to a conclusion. I'm going to go to Nicopolis, and I'm going to spend the whole winter there. What does winter strike up in your mind when you think of winter? Of course, around here we think of snow. What's that? Darker, yeah. Shorter days, right? Uh, harder to do outside work, more inside work, right? A change of pace, a difference. I really think also it has the idea of some rest, the idea of a retreat. Paul is saying, I'm not going to do any traveling, so I'm going to have to stay right here in Nicopolis, and I'm going to recharge my batteries, do you realize that we all need to be recharged? And sometimes we need a break. And I think that's what this, this little passage is talking about. Paul saying, I needed a break. The great Paul? Apostle Paul needed a break? Come on. That guy can get stoned in the morning. Oh, not like that. He gets stoned and get back up and go right back to preaching. Some of you guys can't even look at me. I was weird. Paul was anything but lazy. Wouldn't you agree? Anything but lazy. I mean, hey, God used him to write at least 13 books in the New Testament. He's traveled all over those places with all those missionary journeys. Probably on foot. Definitely not in an Escalade. He says, I determined there to winter. Paul is saying, I'm going to need rest. I'm not being lazy, but I need to get recharged. I need to retreat. And I want you to come, Titus, to be with me. Because I think they were going to probably do a lot of coordinating efforts. They were probably going to do a lot of mentoring, mentee type things. It was going to be a great time. But what does he say here? He says, come in. Then he goes off and says, he brings another person into discussion. Bring Zenus the lawyer, oh brother. Bring Zenus? Really? Do I have to? He's a lawyer. Who wants to oh, <laughs> bring Zenus the lawyer? The Zenus means a gift from Zeus. 
Don't most lawyers think they are a gift from God? Yeah. Yeah. And they can be. We have a great one here. Appreciate that. He was a skilled Jewish lawyer. He did a lot of traveling, evidently, and uh, he was traveling at this time with Apollos. Now, the company you keep tells you a lot about you, and Apollos was quite the guy. So Zenos must have been a real blessing to him. Is there ever a need for a lawyer? Absolutely. Is it good that even though he's tagged with this, with this tag, Zenos the lawyer, isn't that kind of strange? I mean, I mean, you really don't see so many men in the New Testament that they give their occupation. Almost always it just talks about their, their name, where they're from, who their mom or their dad was. But here we find God intended for it to be written, Zenos the lawyer. kind of guy. He says, bring Zenos and Apollos. Apollos favorites, Chuck Swindoll. I mean, they're just amazing the way they can and his spiritual understanding, fervent in spirit. He was said to teach Bold speech. He was the guy, you remember what Priscilla and Aquila found him preaching, that they pulled him aside and he was teachable. They coached him. Some Corinthians, you remember in the first part of Corinthians, you read that some say they were of Apollos. What they're saying basically is, we think Apollos is more important than Peter or Paul. Whoa, really? I mean, it's if we read that some people had chosen Apollos over Peter and Paul. That's how great a speaker he was. He was pretty impressive. Because I can imagine that, man, if Paul was here today to speak to us, we would hang on every word he would say. But then Apollos was even more. That would have been something to hear. 
was the writer of Hebrews. Hmm. A lot of people argue about that. I'm in the camp that I think Hebrews was written by Paul. Therefore, he wrote more than half the New Testament, 14 out of 27. But you can be wrong and believe what Martin Luther believes. <laughs> As though I have any right to say that. Okay. <laughs> it says, bring Zenos and Apollos and do it hastily. Do it. it says, on their journey diligently. Bring them along diligently. Okay, so what's happening? Well, Apollos and uh, Zenos are traveling together. face every day of not knowing whether they're going to have enough money or whatever to know they'll do more with that money than we can imagine and it's important happen fairly quickly. He says that nothing be wanting unto them, that they will not be delayed because they lack something. Don't delay. Verse 14. He shifts gears again, right? He's talking about these missionaries passing through, but he says those guys are... You guys need to also be learning how to do the work of the ministry. I like uh, whoever read the scripture reading today. It said, our people, <laughs> Paul is saying, our people need to learn something. When he's saying our people, he's talking about the church, the local church. He says, our people, ours also ought to be able to demonstrate that they are different than the community. The community is known as a bunch of liars. We need to be known as truth tellers. The community might be tight and not be generous, but the church needs to be known to be generous and kind and comforting. The world can be a cold, cruel place, but the church shouldn't be. The church should be that place that has that welcome. 
Well, how, how in the world are they, how, how are they to do this and make a difference in their community? Well, I know there's lots, got to be lots and lots of ways, but I kind of like what one person said. It kind of brings three questions to mind. And the first question is, are you on the team? together, working together to see God do great things in our community. of your life and that he has a calling on your life the second question Because I believe the scripture teaches that we all have been called to a calling of life. And it may change a little bit as we age in different times of life. But God is calling you to a part of the work of Jesus Christ. You may not be able to do what you used to do when you were younger. I think the interesting transition I see so many times over the years is people who work with young people. Yeah, somebody work with young people, and then they get to where they get married, and then they get have kids, and then they got to let go of that because that's no longer possible because the teens will drive you crazy <laughs> and burn your energy so fast. I mean, we got people right here in our congregation. I mean, I don't know how many of you know Todd and Deborah used to work with our youth, right? Now they got their hands full with the youth at home, right? Uh, Tony used to help out with the youth years ago. Um, Alexander's still helping out with the youth a little bit, but Tate and Tanner might have something to say about that. And now we have the Englands who are working with our youth. And someday, believe it or not, Craig, you're going to be Krusty Craig. <laughs> right now, you're cool, Craig. But time comes and you have a calling on your life and it may be working with youth right now and you're doing a fantastic job and we appreciate you guys. But there may be a day when you move up to a different group. You have a different calling. But the reality is, do you recognize that God has given you a ministry? 
I believe that that ministry is usually focused on a group, a people group. For the Roys, they have a love for the people in Papua New Guinea. They want to get back there. That's the people group. Which leaves me way out. <laughs> but see, we're a team. Not one of us is called to all those things, but we're called to something. If not, why don't you pray about it? Come to the elders, let the elders pray over you about it. Hey, I believe each person, each believer has a calling, not just preachers, not just missionaries. Let's move on. I'm not, I'm not cutting any new ground here. It says, our people need to learn to maintain good works. Maintaining good works calls for honest communication as well as earnest care. I want you to be in churches not merely to get your needs met, but so that you will be equipped and encouraged to meet the needs of others. Did you catch that? So many people go to the church and they, they go to churches merely to get their needs met. But there's more to it than that. It's that we'll be equipped and encouraged to meet others' needs. And as we do that, we become interdependent, which means we become very strong together. And it says, what kind of good works that are necessary uses, it says in the King James, but I like what was read in the scripture reading, pressing needs. How do you know if someone has a pressing need? I mean, do they put it on a billboard? I mean, some people you can read their face real easily, and other people are really good at hiding that pressing need. But I really believe that God has given us the Holy Spirit for reasons of sensitivity. That, that's our antenna goes up. So when we hear someone say something that sounds like they're in need of comfort or encouragement or some kind of special need, we say, hey, God's calling me into action. God's called me to address this issue. And Paul says that the church at Crete needs to learn to get their antenna up. And I'm here to tell you Falcon Baptist Church has done a great job in the past, but we can do better. Get those antennas up. Know when someone has a need, a pressing need. Why we want to do that? It says that they be not unfruitful. Isn't that interesting? It's like a double negative. Not be not fruitful. Because it's shame. We want the church to have much fruit, right? There's, the, there's all those different uh, categories in James, uh, John chapter 15. When it talks about no fruit, that would be terrible to have a church with no fruit. A little fruit. Right? Some fruit, more fruit, and then it talks about much fruit. And the much fruit is tied directly into our time that we spend with the Lord, letting the Lord whisper in our ear what he wants us to do. Abide. That Falcon Baptist Church has to their credit because we've been listening to the Lord. 
and the Lord has led us. That we be not unfruitful, he says. And in verse 15, he wraps it up, and yes, my time is going. Verse 15 says, all that are with me salute you. The exact same word. I don't know why they make it different. Maybe it's stylistic. To you, it's the hug and the kiss. <laughs> you, you know, we are compassionate toward you. And then he says, greet them, same word, <coughs> excuse me, greet them that love us in the faith. And that's what we usually sign on our letters. Give them a big hug for me, will you? That's what he's saying. Hey, those people who love us in the faith, meaning how do you know if someone loves you in the faith? What does that mean? I mean, have you been loved in the faith in this congregation? Yeah. You know it when you get this card perfectly timed when you're discouraged and someone writes your card to encourage you. Or someone says, hey, I happen to be in Peyton over by the barbecue shack, and I don't know if you want a pulled pork sandwich, but I'm thinking you might. <laughs> and I think to myself, hey, somebody hadn't forgotten me. Somebody had thought about me. I've been comforted. I've been encouraged because of that. Greet them that love us in the faith, which means those who treat us like family, like the God's family, like that we are. And then he goes, grace be with you all. And the word grace there is charis. It has the idea of a gift. But I really, really like in this, in this context the idea of that which affords joy. That which affords joy is a grace. You see, if we live by grace, if we walk by grace, if we treat each other with grace, then it will bring joy to us. Because the opposite of grace, that legalism, that, that requirement to have to perform and be perfect in order for me to love you, that's destructive. That undermines that joy. That takes all the joy out of it. To simply live by the law instead of living by grace. Don't be a legalist or a pessimist or even an Eeyore. But living by grace is being giving and kind and gently working with people, enjoying graceful relationships. And then it wraps up the whole letter with the word amen. Amen. What's amen mean? So be it. So be it. Or that's true. Or I believe it. I think it's echoing verse 8, which says, 
This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that you affirm constantly. Yeah, this is true. What we've been talking about this morning, it's God's word. It's true. You can trust it. Just as Paul said to Titus, these things ought to be. Don't you agree with me? These things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you want to fill out your outline. What do they encourage? How do they encourage? They encourage strategically. We need to get recharged sometimes just to, we need to have a winter time. And then secondly, healthy. Enable with funds. And we enable with fruit. Thirdly, healthy churches enjoy. I love that. We, I, I just love that. Look at this guy. You think he's not happy? I mean, there's some churches that do that in the service but I think when we leave a service like this we ought to feel like that in our heart at least yee-hoo I've been with the Lord we've met together with my my Christian brothers and sisters and I'm juiced and ready to go enjoyment what do we enjoy we should enjoy We've been swamped with grace in our life. Why can't we share it with someone else? 